something outside. What is that? Thank you. Great to be here. Stoked you're here with me, and I appreciate it. Uh, of course, Monster X Radio is brought to you by Sasquatch Coffee. Have you tried it yet? Uh, and if you haven't, I highly recommend the coffee. Uh, go to SquatchCoffee.com and order yourself some. My favorite is Ape Canyon. I love that flavor. So uh, there's uh, a lot of different roasts uh, on the website. So uh, head over there and, and grab yourself some Sasquatch Coffee. Um, our guest today is a BFO researcher out of the great state of Ohio. Our guest today is Amy Boo. Uh, she's uh, out of northeastern Ohio and conducts a lot of her investigation, especially her solo stuff, in Columbiana County. Uh, Amy, Amy Boo, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Hey, really Amy. happy to Really happy to have you here today. Thank you. So, Amy, for for uh, for the uh, for the Monstrex uh, listeners, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background, and then um, what got you into the into the subject of Sasquatch and, and getting into the research? Well, let's see. I am a teacher, like you said, in Northeastern Ohio. I live near Youngstown, Ohio, right now. And um, teaching actually has a little bit to do with getting me into Bigfoot because when I was a kid, I really enjoyed watching like In Search Of, those types of programs that were um, about different mysteries. And I vividly remember when I was eight years old going to the theater and seeing Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot and being pretty much terrified (laughs) after I saw that and um, my grandpa used to have a hunting cabin in the Allegheny Mountains in Pennsylvania and we were right over the border from PA and we would go there quite often to go camping so a love of camping was you know instilled in me from when I was a little girl and after I saw that movie I remember being very afraid to go for a while and my brothers would have to take me to the outhouse with their rifles in the middle of the night or else I wouldn't go out but anyway so I was kind of interested in it as a kid and then when I got to junior high I had a teacher Frank J. Monahan, who's the best teacher ever and he had us do a book report 
and he asked us to do a report on something we weren't sure if we believed in or not. And I chose actually the Loch Ness Monster to do my report on and realized that there were actual books out there to read about things like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and several other things. And I'm kind of old, so we didn't have the Internet back then or anything, but I would get as many books as I could to read. So anyway, for a while there, I was very interested as a child. Then flash forward to many years later, I had a different career, decided to go back into teaching, or to not go back into teaching, decided to become a teacher. And when I got my first teaching job, I was teaching junior high, and I had to have them write research papers, and guess what I had them write about. I did the same thing. I had them, I had them do something they weren't sure if they believed in. So, um, you know, we would get occasional Bigfoot papers, um, Loch Ness Monster. They chose all different kinds of stuff, not just that. And um, I, so I, you know, would hear about it a little bit again after, what, 20-something or more years. And even watched um, Finding Bigfoot a few times, you know, and and just thought it was a lot of fun, but honestly, it wasn't that I totally didn't believe in it, but kind of, <laughs> I kind of did not believe in it. And if it was something real, I thought that it was probably just going to be out in the Pacific Northwest, but never really thought Ohio would be a viable place for a large creature like that to be um, until I did have an experience in 2012. So I wasn't sure if you want me to tell you about that now. Yeah, yeah, please do. We'll just go right uh, into that, and we we can elaborate from there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was living in Cleveland at the time, Middleburg Heights, and my father was very ill back in Youngstown area. And so my ex and myself and our daughter had been visiting the, um, their home, and um, my dad was in a nursing home at the time. Anyway, so Bigfoot was the last thing on my mind <laughs> at that moment because it was actually the next weekend that my dad passed away, and so that's why I vividly remember when this happened because it was like a week from this um, happening that that he passed away. So we were driving on um, 680 and then on to 80 and there's a point where um, if you're going toward Cleveland so you're heading west north and west um, that 80 turns into the turnpike but before before you get to the turnpike there's a body of water called Meander Creek Reservoir and I've passed over there hundreds if not thousands of times in my life um, never saw anything out there it's wooded um, it's the city's water supply so I've never seen a person for sure it's illegal to be in there unless I guess you're a ranger or something there's no boating no nothing allowed there and um, so we were um, traveling over the bridge my ex was uh, driving so I was just sitting there kind of looking out at the scenery um, it was i late afternoon, early evening, clear weather that I remember. And um, as we were traveling, getting close to the opposite shore, I saw something dark 
like um, at the tree line there. And there are like these old, um, I don't know if it used to be another bridge there that like cement blocks that are in the water and a lot of times seagulls, I don't know why there are seagulls in the middle of Ohio, but there's often seagulls sitting there. And so I was looking at those seagulls. They attracted my attention and then my eyes traveled over to this area. So I saw this dark something and the closer we were getting it just I just kept staring at it because it just looked so big the closer we were getting the closer we were getting it looked like a figure and the first thing I thought was is it a bear maybe you know having gone to PA to that hunting cabin we actually saw quite a few black bear throughout my lifetime because there, there are a lot of them there and um so I didn't think it, it didn't seem to have the form of a bear. If it was, it would have been on its feet and it would have been really, really large. And the closer we got, I just couldn't, like my mind couldn't really comprehend what was going, what it was. And we were going about 50 miles an hour, I'd say. And um, like, I wish I, my biggest thing is I wish I could rewind because I wish I could take a better look. I wish I would have said something because I didn't say anything until it was too late. And um, this figure was a, I, I'm so bad at distances, but I would say I showed some people where it was and they all said maybe like a football field away. And um, it was just huge. It was holding on to a tree at the tree line and it, it looked as if it was kind of angled so that it might have been looking at those same seagulls that I had been looking from the opposite way and it moved so I knew it was alive um it kind of moved all I don't know you you hear this a lot from people that are talking about Bigfoots but like as a unit like it's it's head and body kind of as a, a unit and it I I know I keep saying this but I can't I can't stress enough how big it was because there's a very big skeptic inside of me and I now I think about it and I'm like could it have been a person it didn't have any kind of a muzzle it definitely was not a bear but I'm like well could it have been a person in a really big bigfoot suit <laughs> you know because it was a uniform <laughs> color because I just I was it was far enough away that I you know sometimes my friends are like oh just say it's a bigfoot <laughs> And I do, you know, I will say I do think it was now, but I, I wasn't close enough. You know, I want to see something close up. Um, but what it did, well, after we had gone past it, and you can't pull over there or anything, and then there's a fence, and so there was no way to go back. But I did, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I saw a Bigfoot, you know. But it was too late because it just happened so fast. But um, I did call my mom, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I didn't really talk much about it at all because of the fact that it had been something I was interested in and I just I just didn't think people would believe me you know and now it's strange as an investigator I hear that a lot from other people and Uh I understand how they feel (laughs) I understand how they feel right now did your mom believe you when you first told her I mean what what does she feel about the existence of whether they yeah, my mom believed believed that I had seen something. You know, she was kind of like me. I wasn't really sure what I had seen. But the reason I said that I thought it was a Bigfoot is because that's what it looked like. It looked like what I, whether seeing, you know, movies or books or just in my own head, would have thought a Bigfoot would look like, you know. 
So um, wow. still was trying to figure out, like, why would there be a Bigfoot here? You know, it didn't make any sense to me at all. But she did believe me that I saw something. And I I know I saw something. And I knew that even back then before I I realized how many sightings there have been in Ohio. And what I did was I started um, researching because, you know, now we have the Internet. So I started looking things up and found a um, lot. And, you know, there's a lot of sightings in Ohio and uh, just started reading as much as I could um, online, getting some books out of the library again, buying some books off of eBay and finding out as much as I could. But I still was um, was just, you know, kind of in awe, I guess, of this whole thing happening. And, and the more you look back, you kind of question yourself. And, and I don't, and I'm a very honest person, so I don't ever want people to think that, um, you know, I'd be making anything up. Um, and again, as an investigator, I always give a person the benefit of the doubt, but it's a really weird thing when you're, when you're giving your own your own brain the benefit of the doubt does that make any sense <laughs> like I, I I guess I'm saying that because like I said I get a lot of people they're like well I know what I saw but I'm not sure what I saw and so it's a it's a strange thing to go through yourself because it wasn't you know a Bigfoot's not supposed to be there in your brain right. so if that's what you think you see you start you start playing mind games with yourself a little bit wow that's that's pretty interesting. So how long after that did you um, become involved with the BFRO as far as your um, doing investigations with them? Well, uh, it was about a year later that I finally made my report to the BFRO. And I had been reading in the meantime, and I had um, seen that the day that I made my report, I had seen that somebody else had had a sighting right around the same area. And I'm like, you know what, uh, maybe maybe this was real. And, you know, I know that sounds, it probably sounds bad that I was doubting myself, but I think it's just because I am a skeptical person and because it was so far away. And I just recently, I'm just going to digress for one second, but I just recently got to see a new um, movie, a documentary called The Back 80, where it's all about kind of the emotional side of a witness and how she was doubting herself and and didn't want people to think she was crazy and all of that. So I kind of related to her. So I would recommend that film for something, if anybody else is feeling those feelings. But anyway, um, it was about a year later, I finally made my report. And it was through that report that I met Mark Mazel, who's the head of the BFRO in Ohio, and he, you know, listened to what I had to say, um, interviewed me a few times, and then invited me to go to a um, talk that he was giving. And so I started going, oh, before that, before I made my report, I, I dragged my ex and my daughter. We went down to Saltport because I had heard there were signings there, you know, and I, I started kind of doing little <laughs> things on my own. But then once I made my report then he gave me that initial invitation to go go see some different people talk and I um, ended up going to my first Ohio Bigfoot conference I started going to any kind of library talks I could 
go to and just um, made some really good friends uh, through doing that. And I remember Mark, he was at a library talk and I had shown up again and he said, you know, I, I kind of wait and I, um, there's always new people coming into this field. There's always new people that are interested for a while. And he was saying that he waits around and withholds judgment until he sees who stays, you know, who, whose interest keeps going and who keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And so once I kept coming back, because it was really, a, it might sound dramatic, but it was really kind of a life-changing event for me, um, once I kept coming back, that's when I kind of got brought into the fold, I guess you'd say, and they could see that I was serious about this, and I really wanted to find out more, and I wanted to have another experience someday where I could see it more close up. Um, so that's how I became involved in that. So I, I kind of hung out with them for a few years and then was asked to join. Yeah, uh Amy, uh, I want to get back to some of some of uh, your work with the BFRO and and uh, and, and whatnot. Um, but real quick, uh, getting back to your uh, possible uh, Sasquatch sighting, you mentioned the size. One of the things that stuck out in my head when you were talking about this was you noticed the seagulls first. How, how close were those seagulls uh, to to this figure? Um, there were there are several of those. I just call them cement blocks. I think they were supports for a former bridge maybe or some kind of drainage thing. I'm not sure what they are, but um, the closest one to the um, figure was um, maybe like 20 feet or 30 feet. I'm so bad at this. You'd think I'd be getting better at that, but I, you know, it wasn't right close to it. Like it would have like been grabbing them or anything. It was just, it just seemed to be kind of, Based that way. Yeah, no, the only reason I ask is because, you know, a lot of times with Sasquatch reports, uh, you get uh, reports of like the, almost like a symbiotic relationship, you know, either with the crows uh, or ravens or coyotes. Um, but with, right. with the seagulls, you know, I worked on a uh, fishing boat, crabbing boat for, for uh, quite a while, and um, seagulls would always hang around. Well, why? Because you had food, you had bait, you were tossing out stuff, and right. they would come uh-huh. down and pick it up. I just wanted, I was just curious if, if these seagulls were, you know, flying around because this figure, this thing, this Sasquatch, whatever it was, you know, there was some food nearby. Uh, maybe it was eating something. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm just yeah, hypothesizing. that's interesting. That's interesting. You know, it, I'm not uh-huh. sure. I do see those seagulls there still. Probably not the okay. same ones, but, but they, they still live <laughs> there a lot. It's like a common thing for them to do. So okay. I don't know, but yeah. that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Not sure. Um, just throwing it out there, but you know, if they're there regularly, chances are they're just there, and whatever this thing was right. just happened to be passing through. But uh, no, right. thank you. So sure. you know, you had this, you had this encounter. Um, it, it it really really launched your, uh, which it does for a lot of people. Uh, this encounter, whether it's Sasquatch or not, you saw something. It was big. It, it kind of propelled you into where you're at now. Uh, you're now uh, yeah. with the BFRO. How many um, how many investigations for the BFRO have you uh, have you done? Well, I have a lot that I have been working on. There's only actually one that I've published. There have been quite a few that I looked into that I investigated, and they didn't um, end up. I I don't know if this is the right word to use, but meriting published, you know, being published. Um, 
they, you know, either there wasn't enough information or I couldn't get a hold of somebody or I got a hold of them initially and then not again, you know, that kind of thing. So we kind of had to to uh, put them on the back burner. But right now I'm actually involved in quite a few all from the same area. And um, what's interesting to me and exciting to me is that it's not really very far from where I had my sighting. And kind of like what you just said, I just wanted to say, um, I tell people that whether or not what I saw was a Bigfoot doesn't really have any bearing on whether or not I think they're real. Like it does, my sighting doesn't have to have been one. And because I just, I'm not the type of person to dramatize something to make it more exciting. <laughs> you know, like people <laughs> ask me to hear about my sighting and I'm like, well, didn't see it very well, but, but it really, do I really truly think it was one? I, I do, you know, but, um, but anyway, so what I'm looking at now, I have about, I should look on there right now on the flats now, but I think I have about 11 um, investigations that I'm currently checking out. And six of them are all from pretty close um, proximity to each other. Now, they're not all time-wise, you know, close, but the areas are close. And some are more exciting than others, you know, some, some, you know, I have a, a mom and a daughter that I talked to who both had a sighting together. And that's always really cool when you have more than one witness, because obviously you can ask more questions, see if it adds up, see if they saw the same thing. And then um, I was excited and I still, you know, I haven't quite given up, but I had a recent sighting where two hunters said they were on their way um, down to Lisbon, Ohio, and that they both had a sighting along the side of the road. But I've been trying to get together with those two guys, and it hasn't worked out to get together with them. So, um, you know, it's funny as an investigator, whether you're in the BFRO by yourself or in another group or whatever, the when you keep getting stood up, I guess my my uh-huh. natural inclination is like why why aren't they why don't they want to talk to me because I so badly wanted to talk to somebody, you know, so I don't really relate to that, but then also you know maybe they're just busy, and maybe I'll finally get to talk to them, but um, I was excited about that one at first, but it hasn't panned out yet so okay. we'll <laughs> well, let me ask you this with the reports that you take. Um, that you've taken in the past, is it mostly in just rural areas or have you had anywhere that's um, in a more populated area? Because I know that when I just moved to North Carolina outside of Uari, but when I was in Ohio, um, in Miami County, which is it's pretty rural, but it's not like way out in the middle of anywhere, there was a gentleman that had one on his property three different times. And... I always find it interesting to see if other people who are taking reports, you know, have you had them close to small towns or, I mean, what what have you found? Mine have almost all been primarily in small towns. Um, the one that I was talking about with the mom and her daughter, which hopefully will be published soon, was just they were going down a pretty um, well-used um, state route, you know, or I think it's a state route 62. And I mean, it's a small town, but there's houses all along, you know, it's, it definitely, I wouldn't call it rural. It wasn't farmland or anything like that. Um, and they were driving along and 
saw what they saw. And so definitely my my um, reports that I've been investigating are more around small towns than not. Okay. I mean, a, a few are down closer to – and these um, – I also, like, if I just – hear about something. It doesn't have to be an official BFRO report. I do a lot of um, just camping by my own, you know, and going out and investigating by myself. But also I'll just hear of somebody who wants to tell me their story, but it they don't necessarily want to put it on the BFRO website, which I always encourage them to because a lot of times people will say, well, it's not good enough. You know, it's it's not good enough of a story. But I try to tell them that when you take all of those clues together and put them all together, it can tell a story. You know, so mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a super fabulous, you know, I walked up and there he was or she was type right. of thing. It can be something like mine, like mine was, or it could be sounds or whatever. But even the ones that maybe don't make it onto the website, are important because they give a story. So I always do try to encourage people, you know, and if not to the BFRO, then to somebody else. Maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that, but, <laughs> you know, like, but just to let it be known um, so that so that we have that, that record. Right. No, that, that's, that's uh, well said and absolutely because the by having a record, you're adding to the database and the, the collectiveness of it all. But uh, just to clarify, mm-hmm. Amy, no, you mentioned the flats earlier, and so for those listening, the flats. So the way the BFRO works, so you send um, a report to the BFRO, uh, it doesn't automatically go onto the public website. The flats are are an area where where your your uh, report to be file a report. It goes there, and it sits um, basically until an investigator looks at it, um, and actually it'll only be published on the website if someone has investigated it and does a follow-up and whatnot. Am I correct? Right, right. So we would, you know, investigate, do the follow-up, and then we submit it to somebody who's been around longer than us who has, you know, I would submit mine to um, Mark Mazel, so he'd take a look at it, and then if he thought it was um, a good report, then he would send it on up above him. So it takes a while. And I think, yeah. um, you know, there he has brought a lot more investigators into the BFRO in Ohio over the past couple of years, and we've been working hard to try to get to a lot of those sightings that have been sitting there for a while because we get a lot. And oh, we're trying to figure out, okay, which ones are good and, you know, which ones should we hop on right away. And it's, it's challenging because mm-hmm. all of us yeah. have full-time jobs too. Right, right. So, yeah, and, and and to follow up on that, so you got to what people don't realize. I mean, the 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 website, the BFR website, it's pretty awesome because people don't realize the amount of reports that that get sent to the BFRO that are never investigated. One, because um, there's not enough investigators. Uh, two, uh, it, it could be just you know people got jobs. I mean, uh, and right. so to drive a distance you know, for a sighting that happened 20 years ago. I mean, people don't just report sightings that are happening today and now. Sometimes they'll, they'll go back 20 years ago, hey, this happened to me in 1978. Right. And so those reports get yeah, put in there, just, and they don't – yeah. I just had one. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just had no, one ahead. like that that I'm very excited I'm going to be meeting. I'm up in Cleveland right now, actually, but in uh, for a few weeks, and then I'll be going back to Youngstown. But I had a gentleman who – submitted a report from, I believe, I don't have it in front of me, but I 
it's at least 20 years old, if not, if not more, just like what you were saying. And he um, said, you know, he thought it was just time that he put it out there for the record, like we were talking about. Um, and I'm very excited. I think it's even more longer ago than that. But I'm excited to talk to him. He was a former correctional officer, I think, in Lisbon, Ohio. And um, his story was um, very detailed. And you know, what I do now, I used to cold call people, you know, um, get, you know, get their numbers off of there and just call them right away. I don't know if cold call is the right expression because they reached out to us first, but you know what I mean. But just yeah. call them and see if they could talk. But now what I usually do is I will send an email and kind of get some preliminary information and set up a time to talk or meet. And um, so I'm going to be meeting with him when I get back into town. And he just seems super um, – credible and has a lot of details and he's like I understand the importance of being able to ask questions and ask the same questions and ask them again and you know make sure that someone is you know telling telling the story as well as they can and um, so I'm excited to talk about him that looks like a promising promising story I'll be working on can you uh, share any tidbits from that story um I, I think I can a little bit. Um, he was a young a young man, I, I think maybe a teenager, and I wish I had it in front of me. Um, but he saw something pretty close up in a field um, and was just very frightened about it, kind of didn't talk about it for a while, um, and just never ever forgot about it you know it just affected him greatly and um i know that he saw it and it ran away and and he thought that it was some kind of a monkey um but wow. you know and i i don't believe that he thought at first it was a bigfoot you know that didn't pop into his head so but it was a closer encounter so i'm i know it's been a really long time but from the details that he said in his initial report and what he um has emailed to me it was um it was a lot more details than i than some of the reports that i get okay well let me ask you this i know that um in the past with a lot of the shows that we've had uh eyewitness eyewitness encounters on um a lot of them seem to be and it seems like a majority of people who actually encounter what they believe to be um this creature that we call a Sasquatch, they're not out there physically looking for it. It's people right. like driving down the road or just camping or, and one of the biggest things is the hunters that are out yes. there because they spend, you know, countless hours every year, a lot of time in the same places. They get no um, action forever and forever and ever. And all of a sudden one day they cross paths with it. Have you had, um, any hunters share a story with you since you started taking investigations? Well, just those hunters that I have that I haven't been able to meet up with so far. They, they, I really want to okay. see them because they said that they had seen something along the side of the road when they were coming back from hunting. But again, they, they kind of stood me up a couple of times, so I'm not sure um, if I'll be able to talk to them, but no, personally I have not. I know that there are a lot of stories out there, um, you know, from hunters, but personally I have not met any of them yet. Hopefully I will. 
but not but yet. They were driving when they saw it. So that, again, I, I think a majority of reports are people who just happened oh, to I see what you're saying. Yeah, like hunters that are out, out, out in the field. No, I haven't. Right, or anybody, you know, but it seems it's either the somebody driving along that they see this thing and they're like, like you said before, the mind just can't wrap around what it is. Report it because they think people are going to think they're, you know, a little off their, their kilter there. Exactly. Like me. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's <laughs> funny because I go out a lot camping um, last summer, especially I did. I, I traveled around my daughter She's 20 now, and she was out of the country, so I'm like, ooh, you know, I'm a teacher I have this summer. I can take this and really go get some camping in and some investigating. And so I drove to some different states and just did a lot of investigating and, you know, honestly um, didn't didn't see much. <laughs> you know, I always – people are like, ooh, right. you know, you're a Bigfoot investigator. Ooh, like they want all these exciting stories. And I'm like, well, I, I went camping. I went hiking. saw saw um squirrel, you know, heard some barred owls, and that's normally what happens. It's, it's not that exciting usually. I mean, it's exciting for me because I love to hear the barred owls, you know, so so the worst case scenario is you're just out in nature having fun, but um, yeah. honestly, you know, some there were some cool things that happened down in Shawnee State Forest, and um, I think it's a state forest, now I can't remember, and um, mm-hmm. down in southern Ohio, but but mostly, I think people don't understand, or you know, unless they're an investigator themselves, that the majority of the time you go out and look, and you look, and you don't hear or see much. And honestly, um, people have asked me if I think I'll ever see something again, and I don't think so. You know, I hope so, but unless you know we can kind of pinpoint something like an area better. Um, or if I'm very lucky again, um, I don't, the reason I say I don't think so is because it just doesn't seem, you know, lightning doesn't, doesn't seem to strike twice too often. I hope so though. Do I think I could for sure? And that's why I'm out there looking, but I wouldn't, I will still do it. I guess what I'm saying is I would still do it even if I never would, you know, even if I never see something again, I still want to do it and still want to try. So I'm actually well, something going that you to... just said, um, it, it reminds me of, you know, there's there's some people who um, are investigators, and I put that in quotation marks, who go out and, but lo and behold, every stinking time they go out, they're interacting <laughs> yes. with the forest people, or yes. they're, um, they sound, uh, you know, tracks and, and all this stuff, oh, they recorded all these sounds, and I mean, I just... You're absolutely right because to be able to see something, hear something, experience something is so rare um, that I I tend to I guess I tend to question someone who is constantly getting you know yeah. evidence every time they go out they get out of their truck and five minutes later they have a footprint those kind of things right. I just I, I question that more than when people like yourself who who aren't looking for, um, hey, look at me, you know, I'm the Bigfoot investigator and I found this and that and the other. People like you seem to to be taken more seriously and more legitimate in what you do. 
Um, well, I, you know, so I hope the- that people take me seriously because I, like, honestly, I'm out there, I'm looking, I, I do a lot of investigating um, that I don't, like, talk about so much, you know, like, if, if you're my friend on Facebook, you would laugh at that statement because I'm, like, always talking all the time, and I post this and that and all this stuff, so, I, you know, that's probably a funny statement, but when it's something that I'm, like, seriously doing, I don't really say much about it, um, but right. I agree, and, you know, the people that um, that find stuff all the time are fun to go out with, to investigate with, because it's always you know, it's, it's entertaining, I guess. Um, and you know, to, to be out there because it can be, you know, scary and kind of stuff and fun. And I mean, Bigfooting is fun. I feel Bigfooting is very fun, but, um, I agree that I don't, I don't believe things normally happen all of the time for anybody. Um, that being said though, I think one of the most challenging parts about being an investigator is having to um, make judgment calls about people because I, I, uh, I know very well that I can't read minds and that mm-hmm. somebody could be telling me the exact truth, but it could sound so outlandish that I could be like, well, I don't know. And I always have to keep reminding myself that, when I tell somebody about even what I saw, some people just think I'm crazy, you know? So I have to remember that I don't, you know, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. If it gets too far out there, then I tend to not believe it. But um, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But for me anyway, I look and I look and I look and I normally don't find anything, but I'm I'm still going to keep looking and I still enjoy myself and I'm still fascinated by it. And I hope, again, someday that I'll see something again. Uh, Amy, have you, have you in, uh, I mean, you haven't been actively researching for 20 years, but you've been at it consistently for quite a few years now. Um, have you, over the time talking to people, doing investigations on your own with other have you got, have you have you seen any possible patterns or anything specifically in in Ohio uh, that might be of interest? Well, I would say one of the patterns that pops up in Ohio, and I think that this probably isn't just in Ohio, but oftentimes a lot of our sightings are near water, you know, and that just makes sense with an, with any kind of an animal, I guess. Um, but um, so we always talk about following the water, following the water. And um, it's funny because there have been different reports that I have taken, whether through the BFR or not. And I'm like, oh, that's a strange place for something to be seen. And then didn't realize there was a river near there or a pond or a farm or something where there would be a lot more food available. Um, So that's one thing that I can think of. But as far as other patterns, probably as soon as I hang up with you, I'll think of something else. But I can't, I can't really, I I can't recall anything like that right now. And again, and and I'm glad you actually said that because it's, um, funny because I haven't, you know, I absolutely admit that I haven't been doing this as long as a lot of people. 
And so it's funny because sometimes somebody will um, criticize that a little bit. And what I just always say is, hey, you know, I admit that there's a lot to learn. I read all the time. I listen. I um, am involved in a lot of Bigfoot groups online just to hear what's going on and see what people are saying. I, I normally don't even post very much, but I like to keep up with different things that are being discussed. Um, so I I never try to say that I know more than anybody else because I honestly don't, but I am learning more and more, and I um, I think that I have a good basic grip on it, I guess, so far. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, right. you're obviously obviously a very uh, honest person in that, and that's something I appreciate. Uh, you don't jump to conclusions. You're... Uh, you're not uh, exploiting your possible sighting and, and fabricating stuff. I mean, you're in it because you're curious and you believe that there's a possibility mm-hmm. something there. And that's uh, that's an investigator. Uh, that's the true sense of an mm-hmm. investigator to me. Um, nowadays, you have uh, nowadays you have everybody's an investigator. Everybody's a researcher. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, the the one thing everybody does share is enthusiasm, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily make somebody what I would call a researcher or investigator, because it takes, uh, for me personally, I, I think you, you have to, well, honesty, uh, foundation, but you also have to uh, really calculate what you're doing and look at the facts and, and the lack of facts and, and the whole thing. I mean, you're a, you're a school teacher, uh, you know, and, and to me, uh, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, you know. Um, you're not going to give somebody uh, an A, if they deserve a D, you know, you're not going to, uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, what kind of advice do you have, you know, uh, what kind of advice do you, do you have for those that are starting to get into this field? As you mentioned before, one of your mentors, um, and, and forgive me, I forget his name, but he, he had told you at one of his speaking events, he, he likes to stick around and see who, who sticks around, who's really in it. Right. Um, right. Uh, very, that was very Mason, true. Yes. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. true. Great statement. I have, um, but yeah, go ahead. What kind of what kind of advice would you have in any points? Okay. Well, my first one would kind of be piggybacking off of that is to um try to get somebody to mentor you. I think, you know, you I guess you're not going to go up to somebody and say, "Hey, would you mentor me?" But, you know, like if you keep going to things or you read somebody's book or you just say, "Hey, Um, Would you be willing to take me out where you go researching? And a lot of people are willing to do that. You know, I've had, I've been very, very fortunate with the people who have taken me under their wing. I I help with the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and Mark DeWorth has been invaluable with um, just his caring about me, with his um, mentoring me also, with his advice that he has given me and just um, opportunities that he's given me. Mark Mazel, um, also a dear friend who they just, um, they put their time and um, resources into people, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I just can't say enough about that. And then we have just a really close group of friends. I consider the BFRO in Ohio my friends. And so, um my advice would be to, you know, to, to to maybe not do it on your own right away. You know, I do investigate on my own, 
um, quite a bit. I enjoy it. I like camping solo. I like getting out there and um, just having some peace and quiet. But I also love not only the um, camaraderie of other people, but the brain power of other people. You know, we have in the Ohio BFR, we have a nurse, we have administrators, I'm a teacher, we have an EMT, you know, like we have um, just a lot of people that have different talents and different ways of looking at things. So I think that's important. I would tell somebody who is new at it to read, you know, um, you know, there's Lauren Coleman's big book, there's John Green, there are newer books. Um, I think that it's really important to look at local local researchers that live near you, um, you know, there are, they would be the ones that would hear the stories that come out of the area that you're in. And again, I love the BFRO. I feel so, um, so lucky to be a part of it um, for many reasons. I, I like how they approach things. I like obviously having, uh, being able to look at the flats that you were talking about and see those reports and see what's out there and the people involved. But there are a lot of great groups, and, you know, um, they have different stories that people give them. And just to um, go to conferences, go read, listen. But the most important thing, I think, is to just get out there. Get out there and camp. Get out there and hike. Get out there and see what your landscape that you live around is like because it's really mind-blowing to get off the beaten path. Even in Ohio, you know, at the Ohio conference, um, Robert Morgan was one of the speakers, and I was so excited to hear him. And he was talking about how, you know, if you don't think that there could be Sasquatch in Ohio, uh, he was saying, you know, hire a small plane and have them fly you over the landscape, especially in southern Ohio, and, and how... Um, forested and green it really is you know so just that it it changes your mind that it could be a possibility you know I remember right. Mark Worth um, giving his he um, gives library talks a lot and him talking about how when you hit like a certain part of Ohio especially the landscape just changes so much and and it was like wow you know there really could be something undiscovered here so that right. was southern Ohio I'd- down there. Mm-hmm. So let me ask I'm you this. I'm excited because um, I think I was telling you, Julie, that I that I'm hopefully 99% sure that I'm going to be going out to Oregon this uh, summer, and uh, I'm very excited about that. So I'll actually oh, just wow. be like in the in the Pacific Northwest, you know, my one of my bucket list things to do. Where, where so about? hopefully I'm going to be going out there. Well, um, I was so excited and happy to get to meet. Barbara um, Olvera at the Ohio conference this year, and so I might be doing some camping with her. Yeah, awesome. yes, she said yeah. to say hi. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, she's so she's fantastic. Uh, I know Julie's got a question for you here, but real quick. Sure, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. If you make it out this way, uh, I will try and make my way down. I, I do a lot of research with Barb and uh, the gang. Um, in fact, uh, I will be going. Well, tomorrow I'll be going on a BFRO expedition with some friends of mine, uh, Cindy Cadell, who's doing an expedition. Uh, 
down in, in southern Oregon. I'll be spending uh, the week with them, so I'm really looking forward to hanging out with them. But usually Barbara Oliveira is with that group uh, doing these expeditions, but she can't make this particular one. So anyways, uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Sorry, Cindy, or uh, yeah, Julie. Sure. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. Well, what I wanted to ask before we run out of time is about the, the Phantom Frontiers, the Bigfoot Night Hikes, and the Bigfoot Adventures Weekend at Salt Fork State Park. Are you still involved in, with that? I am. They're actually, um, Phantom Frontiers, are the, those two guys are really good friends of mine. Jesse Morgan, let me put this phone off, sorry. <laughs> um, Jesse Morgan and Alan McGargle. And they do a fantastic job. They're the guys behind that movie I was talking about, The Back 80. And they um, do this Bigfoot Adventure Weekend, which is coming up this weekend, and I'll be there, where it's really geared toward families. And a lot of kids come, and we um, take them out for night hikes and kind of like a Bigfoot 101 type thing in a lot of ways and just have a lot of fun together for the weekend. So, yeah, I'm going to be helping them this year with that. It's their it's their gig. I'm just there to have fun and help in any way I can. So they're doing that, and then um, they also do the night hikes as well. Okay, now you had mentioned the back 80. Uh, how some, some of our listeners may be interested in, in watching that. How do you go about, um, you know, gaining access to watch that? Is it on the yeah, um, it's Amazon or Remy or So far, I mean, it just literally um, came out. We they had the um, world premiere, I guess you'd say, at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference a few weeks ago. And I know you can go to their website. It's fathomfrontiers.com. It's F-A-T-H-O-M, frontiers.com, and I believe also the back80.com. Um, okay. And order and I and not just because they're my friends, but it's really a really good film, and it is um, it was just from a really unique perspective I thought because it was a witness who she had told her story. It's a true story, and um, she had given her report to Mark Mazel, who I've been talking about, and he's in that in the documentary too, and um, he she talks about just how it affected her personally and her family and her sense of security at her um, farm or or it's like more out in the country. I guess it's not a working farm, but it's it's her house with a lot of property out there and um, how she came to terms with, you know, possibly living next door to a Sasquatch. So it's just, Mm -hmm. I really liked that point of view. That was very good. Well, I, I've I heard a lot of good things related about to it. Mm-hmm. I was wanting to cut out myself, so it's awesome. That's good. Yep. Sorry, Amy. Uh, Amy, so a- now, to get back to Ohio real quick, you know, the state of Ohio, mm-hmm. um, we got about a uh, little, about 10 minutes left in the show, and there's a few things I want to cover. But um, Ohio, you know, I've never personally been to Ohio. I do plan on attending one of uh, Mark DeWirth's uh, Ohio Bigfoot Conference events. Uh, hopefully next year we'll see. But, you know, the state of Ohio, why would a Sasquatch 
even be in that state. I'm just curious. You know, I've talked to other researchers in the state, and I, I value their opinion. I, I value yours because you're out there uh, boots on the ground in this particular state mm-hmm. and some of the other states as well. But why Ohio, uh, you know, especially in the area that you research, and what's, what's, uh, what's a Sasquatch going to be doing there? No, I I totally get that question, and I hope you do come because the conference is awesome. Mark Dorth does a great job. So I hope you do come. Um, I don't know. You know, when I first started, that's what I was asking, like, Ohio. Like, that's crazy. But the more you see it, just like what I said about um, what Robert Morgan said, was that there's a lot of forested areas. We have a lot of um, water we have a lot of cover. We have a lot of food sources, whether it's farmland or orchards or deer, you know, wildlife. Um, I think that there is plenty of food and water and cover for a large mammal. Um, same as, you know, going into Pennsylvania, there are a lot of sightings, or Kentucky or West Virginia. Those are the areas that I was you know, going around last summer and just similar, um, similar, uh, things there, uh, with the water and the, and the farms and the forests, you know, so I think that, um, when I first started investigating, I just, I was just very skeptical. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, again, I thought I'd be out in Washington. I'd be out in Oregon, California. Um, but I think that, or not, I think I know that there, there's definitely enough um, land and food sources and water sources to support um, a large mammal like that. Yeah, Why no, they're here, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, exactly. Why? But uh, no, uh, Ohio is it's it's uh, it's. I was reading your your uh, your interview with the CryptoCast, and one of the questions they had mm-hmm. asked you, which is a great question, or at least something they had pointed out, was that you know Ohio, uh, you know, on the on the BFR website has more sighting reports in Oregon. I mean, it's we're talking, you know, I don't know, probably around less than fifty or so, but still, Ohio's got right more reports in the data bank in the Bureau of data bank than Oregon. And I'd liked your answer. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if you remember what your answer was, but it was, it was good uh, that people in Ohio, you know, when they, I guess you would imagine it's not supposed to be there and then they see it and they're like, wow, you know, cause I know here in Oregon and in Washington, a lot of sightings don't go reported, but then there's a lot of them and it's, it's a cultural thing here too. So, uh, your answer about Ohio, I thought, was very relevant and poignant in the fact that you know, well, people want to know what the heck's going on. They're seeing something, right? Because it just it's it's still you know even with TV shows or talking about it and stuff, it's still a pretty unique thing for somebody to say, hey, I saw a Sasquatch, I saw a Bigfoot here in Ohio. So I also think that I mean, you guys have a lot of the um, big forests, you know, and um, where if there are Sasquatch here, then they would be in a small in in, a, in smaller areas. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe there's more people around to be able to see something. Great. Um, you well, know, I, a couple minutes here. A couple minutes here, Julie. Do you have any uh, parting uh, or last questions? Um. Well, not so much a question, but just like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. with um, most of the reports in Ohio are on the east side, be it north or south. 
But mm-hmm. there are reports on the west side of Ohio where it's less forested, and that mm-hmm. is where um, you get reports of them being on properties and around farms and some of the you know rural areas that are just outside some small towns. So right. I find it fascinating that, I mean, where in the heck are these things hiding? <laughs> you know, no, they're not I know. being seen every They're being seen, um, you know, like this one gentleman over the course of a few years saw one on his property three times, and he'd heard it a bunch of times and, you know, saw mm-hmm. some of the, the ruckus that created out on his property uh, several times. But it's like there's um, really no caves on, on that side of Ohio. There's no real super thick forest. So, you know, just it, it says a lot about how um, diverse these things would be to be able to use whatever it is they have for right. uh, camouflage, I mean, you know. Right. Well, like I, looking... I could have one beside you 20 feet away and not even see the darn thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's say that this gentleman you're talking about, like that he's telling the truth, he's really seeing these things. And, you know, then that kind of begs the question. And, and I talked to a lot of investigators about, you know, are they, how migratory are they? Are they just passing through times? Um, I've heard the theory that, you know, if, if somebody is seeing the, uh, the same one or, um, or seeing just Sasquatch in the same area more than once that perhaps it's when there's babies around, you know, little ones around maybe, and that's why they're staying in the same spot. I don't know. It's all interest. It's very interesting to me um, what yeah. could be happening. I don't have good answers for you, um, but yeah, I, I it, think that it's, it's super uh... interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy, that's we're, another we're piece of advice I would tell somebody. That that if any if anybody tells you that they know everything about Bigfoot, then don't listen to them, because <laughs> we're all trying to figure it out ourselves, you know. Exactly. But uh, Amy, uh, we're at just about the end of our show here. Is there uh, mm-hmm. anything else you'd like to uh, mention, talk about, cover uh, any any speaking engagements, anything you'd like to talk about before we uh, we wrap up the show? Um, I have been asked to speak at a like smaller conference um, in Pennsylvania this fall, which I'm excited about. It's um, I believe Jamie King um, told me about it, and I believe it's called um, Oh my goodness, Hill Hillcon Manor. Um, I should know that, but <laughs> sorry, Jamie. But anyway, so I'm excited because that'll be my first um, time speaking, and I'll put that sometime up on my um, Facebook. But I think. The one thing I'd like to hit on really quickly is um, that I, I'm just excited, Julie, and you and I talked about this slightly when we talked about doing this, but I just would like to encourage the girls out there to get involved. Um, you know, I I absolutely love my, I call them my Bigfoot brothers, and have been so good to me and um you know, have been wonderful, but it always gets me excited when there's women and girls, you know, my daughter's not interested at all in doing this, but but we have, you know, like a, we have a Bigfoot Adventure Weekend, some younger girls come, and I just, um, I get so excited about that, and I've been thinking lately that maybe I'd like to do an expedition sometimes with the ladies, um, um, so that's something that's in my brain. 
um, for the future. Yeah. But I think that would be a lot of fun. Oh, man. No, that, you know, uh, uh, that is another great point. I'm glad you brought it up because that was a question in, in your uh, interview that I read online. And uh, uh, it, that's such a great point. You know, I, I've been fortunate. I'm so fortunate to know great female researchers like like Julie here, um, Shelly Cummington, Montana, um, Cindy mm-hmm. Dosen, uh, Cindy Cadell, Barbara Oliveira, um, I'm missing a few here, but the list goes on, and fantastic stuff, um, you know, and fantastic researchers, and, and many of them I look up to and hold in high respect, so yeah, great encouragement, and Amy, we really thank you for joining us here on Monstrix Radio and for uh, getting out there. Um, awesome. Yeah, Thank absolutely. you so much. It was so much fun. I really enjoyed myself. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll have um, you back. Oh, for sure. Okay. You know, for my right. co-host, my co-host Julie Wrench, uh, Shane Corson here, and our guest Amy Boo, uh, we thank you all for listening in on Monster X Radio. We hope you enjoyed uh, this episode, and we'll be back next week with Mark Marcel for part two, uh, talking about his work in historic uh, Bigfoot attacks. I know uh, Julie's looking forward to it, as am I. All right, great. uh, Have a great week, everyone. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Bye-bye.